Okay, so we are familiar. Just really quick backstory we saw from chapter 10. We've been studying for four weeks now the longest conversion it, um, recorded in the Bible, Cornelius' conversion. It's the longest narrative of a conversion. It's longer than Paul's. Excuse me. It's longer than all the others. Um, and what we're finally have gotten to the place where we saw God sovereignly setting it up through visions. He was speaking to Cornelius, the Gentile. He was speaking to Peter, the preacher, getting their hearts ready. He, he brought the, um, the encounter. And last week we saw Peter deliver the gospel. He preached it. And that, the, provo the thought-provoking question I asked you guys last week was, do you evangelize at all? And if and when you do evangelize, do you share it all? Peter was very clear. He was whole. He told the whole story, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And that's where we left off. Verse 43, he says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then, boom, this is where we're at. And the Spirit came in, interrupted. Now, before we blast into it, um, I, you guys mentioned this a lot already in observation time. You're noticing the hearing of the gospel, the spirit falling. Um, and I think Jess was the one who mentioned it. She said, because often, last week, so last week we were talking about evangelism, and if we share, and if we share it all, perhaps, and I'm not, I wonder if there was people here who you've been evangelizing, even before last week, and you have been sharing the gospel, and then maybe you've been, you've been learning to, okay, I need to share the whole gospel, and then you share the whole gospel, and then what happens if a, Corne a Cornelius and household believes it? You ever been there yet? I remember the first time, the first time I ever shared the gospel in my life, the brother believed, and I was almost in shock, and then I was kind of like, um, really? You know, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he like believed it, and I, and at that point, and this is where I kind of want to get to where with tonight, we're going to see two things where the, the work of the Holy Spirit and a confirming the Gentiles, but then also the next step after they get saved the affirmation of the church with baptism and membership. Because oftentimes, I think the church, not just Nu'uanu, but the church in general, we, may, we maybe we don't do a good job of evangelism. We don't share the whole gospel. Like we talked about last week, we share the fuzzy parts, the nice parts, but we don't talk about the sin part. Um, but maybe we are now beginning to share the whole gospel, and then people actually do get converted. And what I think we do poorly, though, as a church still, and we're all learning, we're growing, is what next? You know, it, even in our own church, in this past month, there has been a little handful of individuals who've pro made profession of faith in Christ, and they're, they're reborn, they're regenerate. Some of you in this house right now, within the last three, four years, you have just begun to walk with the Lord. And oftentimes, I've even seen in my own life experience, my own personal testimony, at the age of 12, when I was at a service in Mexico and I became deadly aware of my sin, I bawled my eyes out. I was afraid of God. I was afraid of hell. I knew if I died that night, I, I don't know if I would be with the Lord. I came back home to Honolulu. I heard an old man preach the gospel in full. Christ was my Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I repented, trusted in him. And things changed. I had new appetites and desires, and yet... For five years, I ran in circles not knowing what to do. I was up and down. I was like, it was really like this idea of like, what do I do now? What's my next thing? I believe. I'm converted. I'm saved. And what we're going to begin to see Peter do well 
is lead them to that next step. Baptism. Now, when we hear that term now today, baptism, it just kind of sounds like a warm, fuzzy moment. You had a baptism, you get a certificate, you throw it on your fridge. This is a lot deeper than just that. What we need to do better as a church is really teach the ordinances given by Jesus. What is baptism? What does it mean? What does it entail? When Peter dropped the B word, baptism, he said, it's, it's another way of saying, they're family now. This is forever. We're going to covenant with them. They're joining the family of God. Baptism membership is the next step if you have placed your faith in Christ. We're going to see that tonight. And then he stays with them. He walks with them. I think the first five years of my own Christian journey was so a hurricane and chaotic was, I think, because I just didn't get those next steps very well. And, and it took years later to have to repair a lot of the confusion and chaos that I went through. And so perhaps there are believers in our midst, new believers. Perhaps you're ministering to people, and then they do receive the Lord, God through you, speaking the gospel through you. What are you going to do then, Christian? What are you going to do then, brother, sister? Don't just give them a Bible and say good luck. <laughs> no. Get them plugged into a church. Get them baptized and into membership. Teach the word. Okay, let's walk through this. So, while Peter was still saying these things, that's noteworthy. Uh, I think John already uh, observed that. While he was saying, what things? Verse 43. The message of Christ and the forgiveness of sin. So you got to imagine yourself to being either Cornelius or one of his relatives. And they're there. And they know Cornelius is there. He knows he's been devoted. He's God-fearing. He has a lot of religion on his belt. But he, ha he still is not saved. And when Peter got to the point in his sermon that, oh my gosh, I could be clean because of Christ. Oh my gosh, he could forgive my sins. You have to wonder if in that moment while he was speaking, in Cornelius' heart, he believed. Even though Peter didn't get to the whole delivery of like, okay, repent, believe, be bad. He didn't even get there. In that moment, God saw what was happening and the Holy Spirit fell. He came down. The Holy Spirit, while he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who, now this is noteworthy, heard the word. So perhaps there were people there, but they didn't really hear. Those of us who are working on our communication, or maybe those of us in relationships, we know this. People can hear you but not hear you, right? When I'm talking to my son at times, I know he hears me because I'm like six inches from his face. Hello, hello. He hears me, but he's not hearing me right? Until finally, oh, oh, hi, daddy, right? It's very possible to hear but not hear. These Gentiles, they really heard the word. What word? What word was Peter giving? The gospel. Very good. When you see the word, especially in the book of Acts, please connect the dots and know that it's not just random words. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they heard that word, akuo, to attend, to consider what is being said, to comprehend and perceive, to fully understand. They were listening. And then Jesus, dead, risen, forgives my sins. <gasps> Boom. Aha moment. Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all who heard 
the word, before we move on, this is my fear, that we would be in church and what Jesus says in Matthew 13 at the parable of the sword, quoting Isaiah 6, there will be a people who indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they're closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. I would heal them. And then he says to the disciples, blessed are your eyes because they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. This is the type of hearing, hearing Cornelius and his household was happening. They heard the gospel. They really heard it. It's possible, older members, it's possible to be in church for years and not have truly heard the gospel of Christ. Like you, I've heard the gospel told to me all growing up in this church, and it wasn't until age 12 that I heard it. I heard it with the, the ears of my heart, the eyes of my heart. It's why the Apostle Paul prays the way he prays when he writes the books of Ephesians and stuff. Oh, Lord, I pray that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. Romans chapter 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Oh, ten, oh sorry. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you believe and confess, wait, you know, maybe I'll just turn there. Acts Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your, not just your mind, your heart. Heart what? That God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Have you heard that? Oh yeah, I've heard that my whole life. No, has, has your heart heard it? You believe he died and rose and that he can forgive your sins? Your sins. All of your sins, all of your badness and who you are, all your wickedness, all the secret sins you're hiding right now. Does your heart grab that? Have you heard the word of the Lord? Has the Spirit of God rushed on you like a mighty wind? That's what's happening in this home with Cornelius. That's what happened at Pentecost. They were cut to the quick. Their hearts heard that. We are living in a day and age where hearts are so hard and dull to the Word of God. We're so callous. So callous. We have a generation of young people who grow up in church who think they know already. I heard that. I, heard, I went to VBS, ABCs, admit, believe, confess. I know already. And the, and the Lord Jesus says, oh man, there will be a people who will hear, but they don't understand. I fear for our children. I pray not just for Blue and Autumn. I pray for all the children in our church growing up because as loving parents who care about them, we preach the gospel to them every day, maybe three times a day, don't we? Yes, we do, parents. I see you. And we have to know this, that only the Lord, only the Holy Spirit can let them hear. John chapter 3, Jesus says the Spirit of God is like the wind. And in this moment, the Spirit's falling on Cornelius and his home. They were so ready for this message from Peter. And he delivered it. 
Have you been at church, yet your heart has not truly heard the word? Don't underestimate the power of the word of God. This is why we must anticipate the preaching of the word. Because you never know when the spirit will fall. And you never know who. And oftentimes, it's the most unlikely people. Like me. Like you. Are you hearing the word of God tonight? Those of us online, are you hearing this? Are you hearing God? Not me. I'm just speaking forth his word. Is your heart hearing the word? We need to pray that God, that the Holy Spirit will fall. That has been a huge prayer of mine. Do this when we gather on Sunday, okay? We're all here. Pastor Bob's coming back home. Yay! We're all gathered in this sanctuary. And there's children next to you. There's grandmas and grandpas. There might be older members, older grandma and grandpas who maybe they've never really heard. What, do we, what should we do? Holy Spirit. When Bob opens the book and he begins to preach, Holy Spirit, fall. Fall right now. Save someone. Save, save me. Save us. Open our ears. We're so dull-hearted. Holy Spirit, fall. The Holy Spirit delights in pouring himself out on souls who hear the word of God. You know when you come to a Bible study or before you get into your own devotions, you know what would be good before you just start listening or start reading? Get on your knees and beg for the Holy Spirit to fall. You think you can understand this book by yourself? It's a holy book. Never forget that. We need a Holy Spirit. Learn to pray. Learn to pray for pastors as we preach. You never know. We don't know. This is why we must not stop doing this. And we've been doing it for years here at Nu'uanu. We gather, we hear, and the Spirit falls. We gather, we hear, Spirit falls. Maybe tonight. God creates such an amazing anticipation in us, a weightier wonder of when the word of God is being preached because the spirit might fall fresh. So spirit fell, verse 46. So I'm going to turn back to Acts. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. I like that. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Let's pause there for a bit. We talked about this in observation time already, but the gifts of the Spirit, this particular gift is being given in tongues to confirm these Gentiles are legit. They're really saved, just like you guys were. But then notice this. Whenever the gifts of the Spirit are given, they're given to glorify God. You see that? They're going to extol God. The Holy Spirit's pouring himself, and the Gentiles are glorifying God. I love that. I love, 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 love that. Let's keep going. Verse 47. And I like this. 
Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He's speaking to his boys. How can we stop this? How can we hold this back from them? Hold what back from them? Baptism. Well, what is baptism? So glad you asked. Baptism is a great ordinance from our Lord King, and it symbolizes two main things. One, your union with Christ, Romans chapter 6. And two, your union with the church. When Peter is saying, we, gotta, we shouldn't hold back baptism, they receive the Spirit just like we, he's realizing and retelling that we're family. We're one in Christ now. There's no separation. There's no Jew-Gentile anymore. Let me read you some scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Paul writes, Remember that at one time you, you Gentiles, or you were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh of hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. This is Ephesians 2. Remember that? You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were a stranger to the covenant promise. And you had no hope and without power, uh, without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You used to be an alien, Cornelius. You're not anymore. You used to be a a stranger separated. You're not anymore. You are in Christ. You're brought near by the blood. For he himself is our peace. He made both of us one. And he's broken down in his flesh a dividing wall of hostility. When Peter says we, they should be baptized, he's saying a lot. There's a lot of implication with that phrase. He's saying we're one now. That wall, that iciness that we had on the way here, like, I can't believe I'm going to a Gentile's house. That wall ain't there anymore. It's gone. Verse 15, it's abolished. Verse 16, we are reconciled, both of us, to God in one body through the cross. He came and preached peace to you who are far off, peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access in one spirit, to the Father, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens. Check it. You're fellow citizens with the saints. Baptism means you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. It's a huge, heavy thing to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. For those of you who've been baptized, don't forget that day. It was a massive moment. It entails so much. You're a citizen of the kingdom. When Peter says they should be baptized, he's saying they, they're citizens, they should be citizens. They're citizens. And then it says, members of the household of God. When Peter says these Gentiles should get baptized, he's not saying we should just have like a nice, warm, fuzzy get-together and dunk them. And I'll be like, yoo-hoo, yay, Cornelius and all the household. No, it's a heavy thing. He's saying we're one. We're the same. We're all the same. They're men and sinners like us. They heard the same message. They had the same grace. They have the same faith. They received the same spirit. Same, same. They should be baptized. 
It's no longer, Peter doesn't use language like this, them and us. He says, we. That's an incredible thing, you know that? A church, if you're a Christian, I'm hoping to redeem words that we throw around so easily. Christian, baptism. Those are big things. Do you believe when we look around here that those of us who are members of this church and we've been baptized, this is forever. We are one. One spirit. One baptism. And I'm imagining how Cornelius and his household is feeling when Peter's saying that. Can you imagine that? Your whole life, you've been alienated. Your whole life, you've been looked down on by these Jews. Now you're reconciled with God, and not just that, you have a family. They're one in Christ. I love it. This is why at baptisms, it is right to celebrate when they come out of the waters. Verse 48, almost done. He commanded them. There's the one we were talking about earlier, yeah? He didn't suggest. He commanded because it's a command from the Lord. Matthew 28. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven has been given to me, a.k.a. I'm the boss. I'm the king. I'm the Lord. What does he say right after he, he mentions his authority? Go, therefore, make disciples, all nations, yeah, even Cornelius them, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Baptism is not suggested. It's commanded. It's a mandate from Jesus, our Lord, King. If you profess faith in Christ and you have not been baptized, I urge you with the Word of God. Why not? Baptism is a public profession of your faith in Christ. It's like this wedding ring on my finger. It's a public proclamation. I'm taken. Those of you going to the wedding this weekend, Sasha and Riley, when they wed, and she has that ring, she's saying, I'm not Nakatani no more. I got a new name. I'm a Smith. I'm SS for life. Sasha Smith, you know? But it, it's, it's, it's this heavy covenant proclamation of, I am no longer my own. I'm united with someone. That's baptism. I'm united with Christ. Baptism, the picture of it, the drama of it is a huge thing. Not just union with Christ, union with the family of God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, when the, the gospel was preached at Pentecost and believers repented, believed, received the word, verse 41, it says, those who received the word were baptized and they were added. Added to what? The church, the family of God. Study through all the epistles, they use that language. It's a family. Something I hope and pray that would happen here at our church in Uwanu is a huge revival and redemption of a weightiness of the ordinances that Jesus gave us. Bap um, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now we would take those things so seriously as a church. They're heavy covenants. To be Christian... Or you note takers, I know you eyeballing like, okay, are you going to say the point? To be Christian is to be in covenant relationship with Christ and the church. It's a serious thing. Christianity was never meant to be a wishy-washy fling. 
It's a covenant. It's a commitment. He died for your soul and saved you and purchased you. Make that known. I think why that word is not popular in our day and age, in our generation, is because people got trust issues, right? Any language with commitment or submission is kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. We all do have trust issues, but what I think the issue is is whom we trust. That's the real issue. Baptism is proclaiming your trust in Christ. That's why you can be firm and secure on that. You're not trusting in your performance. When you get out of the waters, for those of you who may get baptized, you're not saying, okay, I'm fresh and clean and I'm going to keep myself clean. No, then you did not do believer's baptism. Baptism is Christ makes me clean. I'm a wretch. I don't deserve this. He purchased me. He saved me. I just believe him and I trust him. And it's by this grace that he saved me that's going to get me home. I will struggle after baptism. I will stumble in sin. I will have a Romans 7 week or day. And I'll come always back to that reality of wretched man that I am. Praise be to God, Lord Jesus Christ, who saved me so. Baptism is coming out of the waters, proclaiming your confidence in Christ. Be baptized. Trust him. Those with trust issues, the issues is who you trust. Trust in the Lord. Let's finish this and we're Paul. Then they asked him, Peter, the preacher, the teacher, can you stay for some days? Don't you like that Luke notes that? Why does he put little things like in there? Because it's important. These are new born-again believers. But whether you're a new believer or not, born-again believers, this is good evidence that you're really saved. You crave spiritual milk like a newborn baby. You want more. We're going to wrap this up in five minutes. But a born-again believer is like, okay, I got a full page of notes, and I'm going to chomp this up tonight. And if I need help, hey, can you stay with me for a couple of days? <laughs> Notice that they asked. They inquired. They took initiative. I love that. Young man, young woman, take initiative. Old man, old woman, take initiative. Ask. They're born-again believers. They, they, no doubt Peter stayed with them, and they kept going over doctrines. They kept talking about, okay, the atonement. Okay, the resurrection. They kept talking about all these things. All through the book of Acts, they're hardcore Bible studiers. Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Peter, or Paul, he's about to leave. They stay up till midnight Bible studying together. Why, why, why are they so hungry for Bible study? Because this has to do with the security of their soul. I got to know this. I got to make sure what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing. Born again believers crave. Why do I get that language? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Like newborn infants long or crave for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation verse 3 if if indeed you've tasted that the lord is good i love those languages and this is peter i wonder if peter thought of cornelius when he wrote this man they craved it cornelius then they was like peter can you stay a couple of days please promise one more day one more day one more day don't leave yet just please can you Bible study a little bit more? And I wonder if when Peter's writing this, he's like, oh, man, those, remember Cornelius' house? They crave the word like a newborn babe. 
I love that he says, if indeed you've tasted. You know, you get one craving until you taste something, right? I crave brownies after I've tasted the brownie. I crave the iced coffee after I've tasted the iced coffee. Have you tasted the grace of God? Have you truly heard the word of the Lord? Think to yourself. If you don't have these longings, these cravings, these promptings, if getting in the word of God or coming to church or getting baptized or joining a church, or if these things sound eh, I would suggest perhaps the Spirit of God has not fallen on you. Pray for the Spirit to fall. I see hunger and thirst for righteousness in your guys' eyes week to week, and it's so encouraging. Blessed are you, Jesus says. You will be satisfied. Christianity, I love. I love, I love that it is flavorful. I love that it's delightful. I love that it's not a religion that I feel like I gotta do. It's like if you were to tell me I command you to go spend time with Sam on a date, I'd be like, you don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. I love that. That's Christianity. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire him in his temple. Why do they talk like that? How do you talk like that? Why do they say, Peter, can you stay? Instead of, wow, Peter, that was a long sermon. Get out of here. Pull the plug. Dude, geez, thank you. We heard already. For, yes, forgiveness of sins, we know. But they say, hey, preacher, you got plans after this? And this is what was so convicting and, and what I take to heart is Peter stayed. I love what God is doing in Peter. And I hope God would do this in me. I hope that God would do this in us, that we will be a people that nurture one another in the Lord. We'd be willing to stay up into the wee hour of the nights and talk about difficult doctrines and confusion in our soul and not quite sure if I believe that or trust that. We'd be like the Bereans who examine the scriptures and we search it together. I love sitting in a room and talking scripture with brothers and sisters and we're just asking the Lord, please show us, please show us more. We're, we're hungry, God. I'm hungry. This is what we ask the Holy Spirit to do in our church. Fall fresh at Nuuanu Baptist. Stir up a hunger and thirst for righteousness that we'd crave the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can't help but share it. And if people believe it, repent, be baptized. You're part of the family. Come on in. You see it? We're going to see this on repeat all through the book of Acts and his ministry. In conclusion, the conversion of Cornelius is a work of God start to finish. The gospel is for all people. And when we share it, we share it all. Share it all. His life, his death, his resurrection. Invite people to repent, trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And if and when the Spirit falls, because he will. Time is running short, guys. King is coming. World's on fire. Nations are tottering. And when our king comes, oh, that there would be more regenerate, born-again believers, a part of the family of God. 
part of this covenant community? And would we at New Orleans Baptist Church do our part? Let's hold it down. We'll close in prayer. And as we pray, as the Spirit falls, converse with Him. Interact with Him. Don't just hear the Word. Follow Him. Father in heaven, may we as a church remain simply devoted and deeply delighted in knowing Jesus Christ and making Jesus Christ known. For the brother and sister in the house who has yet to hear the word of the Lord with their heart, we ask for no fabricating of emotion we ask for not being moved by a movement of men or a persuasion of personality. No, the power is in the gospel alone. For Paul would write, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for those, salvation for those who believe. So Spirit of God, Word of God, good news that Jesus Christ does save sinners of whom we are the foremost. Breathe in this place. Let our children hear it. Let us hear it. Fall fresh on us, we pray. And we pray that as we take this good news and herald it forward and pass it on from generation to the next, when souls believe and when the harvest is plenty, and you draw people in, let us as a church family be ready to show no partiality, to not condemn or judge, but to welcome them into the family of God, that every baptism that happens in our church would be authentic and real. Do this, we pray. Build your church by your grace and only for your glory. We love you, Lord. Keep us in this love we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, amen.